My name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and this is Iteration 54. Welcome to this iteration. Thank you for being here. You know, not too long ago, I was having a conversation with David Dushman about subject as it relates to photography, specifically some of the differences between photographs of a subject versus photographs about a subject. It can feel like a tricky distinction, but moving from one to the other can really elevate the kind of work we produce. For example, Edward Weston photographed a variety of otherwise mundane objects, shells, artichokes, cabbage leaves, and peppers the most famous of which is called Pepper Number 30. It's a gorgeous black and white image of a pepper that beautifully captures what Weston called the livingness of an object. The image was made on August 3rd, 1930, and came as a result of literally years of photographing peppers, but not quite getting what he wanted. Weston wrote in one of his journals, quote, I still had the pepper, which caused me a week's work. I decided I could go no further with it, yet something kept me from taking it to the kitchen, the end of all good peppers. I placed it in the funnel, focused with the Zeiss, and knowing just the viewpoint, recognizing a perfect light, made an exposure of six minutes, with but a few moments preliminary work. The real preliminary was on in hours past. I have a great negative, by far the best. It is a classic, completely satisfying. A pepper, but more than a pepper. Abstract in that it is completely outside subject matter. It has no psychological attributes, no human emotions are aroused. This new pepper takes one beyond the world we know in the conscious mind. End quote. A simple pepper, photographed again and again and again over the course of years. Now, I know there are a couple versions of the pepper number 30 story floating around. According to Weston's grandson, Kim, the exposure was somewhere between four and six hours at an aperture of f240. I reached out to a friend who has a lot more knowledge around this than I do, and he told me that according to Merg Ross, who was friends with Weston, he did use a rapid rectilinear lens that had an aperture of f256, but that lens was based on the old uniform system, equivalent to f64 by modern standards, which would put that four to six hour estimate way off. And still there's the Zeiss reference in Weston's journal, which may suggest another lens altogether. Regardless of which exposure story is correct, what we do know for sure is that each of Weston's images was the result of multiple intentional choices about lighting, composition, depth of field, and subject matter. And through those choices, something transcendent emerged. This is what I love about subject and photography. It can literally be anything. And it almost doesn't matter what you choose because it's in the way that you see it and capture it and the way that you sequence one photo against another in a body of work that gives it its meaning. They say that if you have more than three of something, you're a collector. I think that applies to photography as well. Either consciously or subconsciously, we collect images of things that interest us until we discover or refine a point of view in how we see those things. Over the course of your photographic career, regardless of whether you're a pro or an amateur, you may take hundreds or even thousands of photographs of a given subject. Say, I don't know, Volkswagen Beetles. For some reason, whenever you see one, you have to photograph it. Now, within the context of your entire photographic output, they may mean nothing. But if you cull only those photos of Volkswagen Beetles taken over the course of X number of years, you potentially have a body of work that does mean something. It could be a commentary on style, maybe something like how the world changed, yet the shape of this iconic vehicle remained largely unchanged. 
So the subject matter becomes the raw material for a point of view that gives these otherwise random photos meaning and takes them from a body of work of something to a body of work about something. Here's another example, and I may have mentioned this before. In fact, if you were an On Taking Pictures listener, you absolutely heard it more than once. I love dumpsters. I don't know why, but I have taken hundreds of photos of dumpsters over the last 20-odd years from all over the world. If you look at my Instagram feed, you'll occasionally see one pop up, and in that context, they really don't mean much. Oh, look, another dumpster. But if I isolate only the dumpsters, now we have a collection of photographs of similar objects from multiple cities in multiple countries, and now we can start to build or rather extract meaning. Are there specific types of refuse that are common across the dumpsters? And if so, is that, as my friend Joshua Jackson suggested, a commentary on the throwaway nature of society? Or maybe the dumpsters are a smaller body of work somewhere in the middle of a larger project that goes from close-up photos of bits of trash on the street to large-scale, wide-angle, Bertinsky-esque photos of landfills, taking the viewer from the very small to the very large as a critique around the idea of consumption. So again, distilling a collection of a specific subject is a way to help establish context, which can subsequently ascribe meaning and ultimately elevate or even transform the work. The idea of transformation is considered by many to be a key component in art, whether we're talking about transformation of materials, of the artist, or in the perception or beliefs of us as the viewer. In fact, according to art critic and art historian Sheila Dickinson, without transformation or true change within an object's or action's meaning— There is no art. So if you'd like to explore this topic a little further, here's an exercise you might want to try. Go out and shoot a small body of work, maybe, I don't know, three to five photos. And as I mentioned at the top, the subject matter really doesn't matter. The challenge here is to see beyond the subject matter and instead capture it in a way that shows the viewer a perspective or a point of view that allows us to experience more than just the physicality of the objects in the photos. Go out and find your pepper. In the show notes, you'll find links to a few things I thought you might find interesting, including a terrific short documentary from Wired on Daniel Rosen, an artist and professor at NYU who builds incredible mechanical mirrors out of materials like metal, wood, and even trash that respond to the viewer's movements and gestures. Also, this year marks the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission to the moon, And to mark the occasion, NASA has completely restored mission control at the Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas, to exactly how it was in 1969, down to period coffee mugs, ashtrays, phones, even the carpeting, to recreate it as accurately as possible. Johnson Space Center director Mark Geyer said, quote, I'm thrilled the facility will be open for the public to view. It is my hope that it will serve as inspiration for generations to come, end quote. And finally, a fascinating article on NPR about a team of scientists from the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute who are investigating the amount of microplastics in the deep ocean. According to chief scientist Kyle Van Houten, the data suggests that there's actually more plastic in the deep ocean than there is in the giant floating patches on the surface, which is staggering. Subscribe to get everything I produce, all the iterations, every in-between, and every process driven all in one feed. Just search for Jeffrey Sidoris, everything in your favorite podcast app. You can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Jeffrey Sidoris, that's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S, or on my website at JeffreySidoris.com. 
If you'd like to share some feedback or let me know what you're working on, email me at talkback at jeffreysedoris.com. I'd love to hear from you. You can support the shows by sharing them with a friend or by tapping the little green donate button in the top right corner of the site. I'll be back next week with another show and I hope you'll join me. Until then, thank you again for being here. Thank you for your attention and your time. And I'll talk to you on the next one.